With the shortage of primary care physicians throughout the United States, more and more nurse practitioners are starting independent practices to help fill the gap. How to start your own successful NP practice. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Carolyn Zalmeyer, a nurse practitioner and the author of How to Start an Independent Practice, A Nurse Practitioner's Guide to Success. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to ReachMD. Hey there. It's great to be here. Carolyn, there are many nurse practitioners who are currently considering the option of opening their own practice. How much business knowledge and skill is needed to operate a successful and profitable practice? When you're first considering opening a practice, you need to assess your business knowledge and where your strengths and weaknesses lie. And once you identify what your weaknesses are, you can work on improving those things and also find experts that can help you with that. You can learn as you go, but it's best to have a good working knowledge of basic accounting and business marketing, but you can always call on experts for these things. Is there a place that you recommend where NPs can learn that knowledge? Sure. The SBA has excellent programs all throughout the country, and if you just go to their website, which is sba.gov, you can find local programs that can give you a basic overview on running a business, on accounting, marketing issues, how to make a plan, how to write a business plan. All of those things are covered there, and they also have retired business people with the SCORE program that will actually help mentor you and guide you through the process of starting a business. How many years of experience should a nurse practitioner have before opening their own practice? I would say that the bare minimum two years. I've been asked this a lot. I have many students that contact me that are going to school and want to start a practice right out of the gate as soon as they get their license, and I really encourage them to get a couple years under their belt, become comfortable and confident in your role as a nurse practitioner before you put yourself out there to the public. You want to practice safely and know that you are doing the right thing for your patient as well as yourself. So I would say a minimum of two, if not more. And how many MPs own their own practice in the U.S., and how fast is that number growing? We don't really have real numbers as to how many independent practices there are out there, but I see it growing just as I see my book sales and my requests for speaking engagements on independent practice rising. So there's definitely the interest out there, and I know there are a lot of nurse practitioners out there with their own practices, but we really just don't have a good database to tell you exactly how many there are out there. But I know just from what I've seen that there's a good bit and it seems to be on the upswing. What are the reasonable expectations for a nurse practitioner in terms of profitability when they start their own practice? That really varies on what type of practice they're starting and who their payer is. How are they getting paid for their services? You know, are they banking on just getting paid by Medicaid or cash? Or is there a big insurance company that is going to be able to reimburse them at a decent rate in their area? But it really depends on the location and who the payer is. I know I was very surprised in my first month of practice, I was able to cover my bills. That was a big surprise to me. So my overhead for the first month was paid with my first working month. Of course, I still had debt that I needed to work on, you know, so it took a couple years before I was able to really pay everything off because I kept putting more in for marketing and, you know, growing the practice. So it also depends on what you need to take out of it. You know, if you can keep putting in and help grow it quicker, then you may get a bigger return on the end. And how do you estimate your startup costs? 
That's a fun process for me. I have developed a couple worksheets that are in my book where you actually pencil in estimates of what you think that you are going to need to be paying. You can research your area because real estate is so very different in all different parts of the country. I can't say that you know, your lease will be $1,700 a month where, you know, in New York City that wouldn't be appropriate. So you can check your local areas and find out what your rent would be, what your utilities might be, you know, how much are you going to have to pay for staff, for taxes, etc. But I have a very complete listing of things where you can pencil in what your one-time startup costs would be as well as what your monthly fees are going to be, you know, that you can expect And then from that, there's another worksheet where you can basically estimate what your income will be going with what you're currently doing in another practice or wherever you're working, you know, how many patients per day, what you can charge for it. And it's just a little worksheet where you can get a good guesstimate as what your potential could be for your income. And then you compare the two. You know, is this going to be financially viable? Are my expenses exceeding what my potential income is? You know, so you can make a decision just doing these worksheets as to whether you really have a shot at having a successful practice. How do you recommend an independent practice operated by a nurse practitioner charge for services? And could you give some guidance on what to expect with reimbursement and how to apply for provider status? The way I've designed my fees is I was working per diem in several different locations for a physician in a private practice as well as per diem in some clinic. And I knew that my practice was not going to be a clinic and I'm not a physician. And so I kind of met it in the middle. I figured I'm not a clinic, I have nice carpet, I have a nice office, but I'm still not a doctor. So I took both of those fees because I had access to, you know, what they were charging, and I kind of met it in the middle and found an appropriate price that I felt I would pay as a patient. And most of my patients were cash-paying patients, so I needed to keep it affordable. And I was able to do that by meeting it kind of in the middle between a clinic and a physician's office. So let's talk about the scope of practice. How is that defined with an independent NP practice? The scope of practice is defined by your specialty, by your profession, you know, your area of expertise and the law, as well as your agreement with your collaborating physician. So you need to know where your scope of practice is, what you are trained to do, what you are confident doing, what you're competent doing, and go from there. And then if you ever feel like you're approaching that line, that's when you refer out. And it's all basically a judgment call for me in my head. You know, is this something that's appropriate for me to be doing or is it not? Because if you step over the boundaries and you practice outside your scope of practice, you're not doing yourself or the patient any favors. You need to practice with what you know and follow the laws of your state. So tell us some of the positives and negatives of NPs in independent practice. Well, the positives for me were autonomy. I was able to practice the way I felt was appropriate, treat the patients along with guidance from my collaborating physician in the most effective, kind, and affordable way. I was able to provide health care. I was able to set the schedule and be flexible for my patients, but it also was flexible for me. I could still teach. I could travel. The flexibility was very, very good for me. Plus, I'm a bit of a control freak, and having control over how my practice ran, how clean it was, how the employees treated the patients, communication, that was very important and rewarding to me that 
at the end of the day, I truly was able to say that I gave the patients the time and the consideration that was required and necessary and a lot of times over the line. You know, we really extended ourselves out for the patients and saw many patients that would not be seen at other locations. And how about the negatives? I try not to focus on the negatives. (laughs) I always felt like if there was a barrier or a roadblock that I would find a way around it, under it, over it, knock it down. I didn't have any negatives. I mean, it was just really a very positive experience for me. I would say maybe the reaction from the insurance companies, because I started my practice back in 1992, which doesn't sound that long ago, but it was a long time ago. And I sent out over 200 query letters to insurance companies, and I got the most bizarre responses. They decided that an advanced practice nurse was really an LPN, and why would she have her own practice? You know, things like that. Out of the 200 letters that went out, I got three positive responses. So I think the insurance companies, you know, that would be a negative if I had to look at it that way. But what I did is with that knowledge that they really didn't know who I was and was I going to really take the time to educate them, or was I going to revise my plan? I did the research to find out how many of the population in my area were uninsured. And with that, I had the confidence that I could start a cash practice and run that practice just basically with cash, provide the patient with a super bill with all the fees and charges and all the codes they need to submit it to their insurance if they choose to. And that worked out well for me. Carolyn, you mentioned earlier about laws regulating scope of practice. Could you explain that a little bit more? Every state is different, and they really vary widely is what the laws entail. And it is your responsibility as a nurse practitioner to research the laws and know the laws and follow the laws. There are differences as far as the laws is collaboration with the physician or supervision, the way it is written. The prescribing is different, whether you can write for controlled substances or you need to have a physician's signature or what needs to be printed on the prescription pad. Everything is different state by state, and you need to know what the laws are so that you know that you're following all the rules of the law. You also mentioned that your practice is a cash pay practice. Are most NP practices run that way? Not really. I've been speaking throughout the country to nurse practitioners in independent practice, and they're as varied as they can be. Some depend wholly on HMOs or insurance reimbursement. Some are cash. Some are Medicaid-based or they're serving the indigent, working on grants. So the payer is very, very different depending on, you know, where they are and what type of services they're providing. So what are the top three mistakes made by nurse practitioners when starting their own practice? I guess, like with any business, not planning the finances properly, not having enough capital, and maybe not marketing properly, doing a good marketing plan so that you get the word out so that people know that you're there so that they can come. What marketing activities do you recommend that the nurse practitioners utilize? I think most importantly is to write out a yearly plan so that you're not just throwing money here and there and hoping for the best. You need to have somebody guide you that is an expert in marketing as to print advertising, TV commercials, in the movie theater, all kinds of different things. One of our most successful things was a special we put together for STD testing. In my area, it was a quite promiscuous area. And so I put together a package of STD testing, HIV, syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea for like $75. 
And then we'd run these ads in these magazines that catered to the nighttime, you know, concerts and movies and all that. And, you know, do clever little things like be kind to your Valentine, get tested today. You know, so just little fun, different things like that to get the word out to the public that you are there. And also networking, you know, going around and meeting people, shaking hands, and projecting that you are a confident business person as well as a provider. Do independent practices employ physicians to work on staff? Some do, yes. I've been reading about some that do employ physicians, and a lot of them are very successful. So it can work both ways. It could be very good for the physician as well as for the nurse practitioner business owner to have that relationship. I want to thank my guest, Carolyn Zollmeyer, for coming on the show. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.